Each week, like the whole week, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy, Bowfinger, one minute of screen time <laughs> per episode. Uh, we we are here for minute number eight today, uh, and we are from the Edge of Tomorrow Minute podcast, which does this Movie by Minute thing for the movie Edge of Tomorrow, and we brought along a... An admirer? Do you you don't admire oh, us? Do you? No, no, no. no. He's a, okay. But he All is right. an admitted hanger on. True. An admitter, a, a Klingon? A Klingon? No, that's something else. A static Klingon? Oh, okay. Well, uh, all right. But, but I'm Dave Forsyth. I'm one of those podcast hosts for Magic Tomorrow Minute. Yep, I'm the other one, Todd Lucas. And the aforementioned admirer? No, the no, no. admitted no, admirer? No, no. No? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's say acquaintance. The, oh. the friendly acquaintance of the podcast, John Walensky, is here to talk Bowfinger. Minute eight with us, and he'll be here all week. Unless, yep. Don't forget to tip your waitresses. Craps out. Yeah, try try the veal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just jump into it because I, yeah. I I could just ramble like this all day, which I've done before. Yep. Right. Uh, in, in minute eight, the the crew, as I've decided to call them, is still in the production office. Bowfinger has delivered his pitch, and he he's he's struggling to contain his excitement. I think he, he's sort of waiting expectantly for their reaction really from anyone <laughs> he's not really not, not really getting it in the reverse shot we see that Ephraim is looking sort of expectantly you know so he's returning the energy to Bowfinger but he's still trying to get it from from Carolyn Slater he's invested the magic of, of movies is still clouding his vision he kind of leans in and he's anticipating some excitement that that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really come Carol looks at Ephraim and sees his, his excitement and can't even look him in the eyes, right? She sort of <laughs> looks over in the distance and or she looks over to Slater and, and then sort of in the distance. And they, they seem to make Carol and Slater seem to make a, an agreement of distrust, right? And they they right. sort of have a, a, a split little second there. And Slater drops his hands in, in resignation and he's he's realizing he's going to have to be the one to express this distrust. <laughs> He, he looks back at Bowfinger and hesitates a second and then um, sort of leans in and says, man, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a little wishy-washy. Yeah, he, he, he didn't go whole hog on that. Yeah, you, you do get the sense that even though he's clearly disappointed them uh, individually and maybe as a group before, that, that they have some affection for him still. Yeah, uh, that, that they believe in him. 
It's, 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 so, so the question is, the question for me is, when he says, man, I don't know, it's, it's, he came in with a negative attitude and thought right. that, that this, this was the end, this was going to be the end of their relationship. And then he said, man, I don't know. To what extent is that him saying, hey, that is a good line? Maybe this, maybe this could work. Yeah, I mean, you you do see eventually that that he is he, he does gather up some excitement for what it is that Bowfinger is selling him. If it's for this material, it's hard hard to tell. Like they, nobody really seems to have a strong reaction to to this material other than Bowfinger and Ephraim. But it, you do, yeah, you, you sort of wonder what what the hold is over them, and then what what the their turnaround does, I mean, it comes later in this minute, so it comes fairly quickly, right? Right. So what, what is it about him? And we, we sort of talked in the previous minute about sort of the cultish personality, the cult of personalities that, that seems to be going on around him. He'll throw some of that, mm, that cult leader-ish kind of energy off. That, you know, there's a couple of lines in this minute, and, and I think the next one that, that, sort of, uh, that sort of peak at that. It's this is a parody. It's not meant to necessarily make a ton of sense, right? It, it's, right. We're playing with archetypes, and and we're 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 playing pretty fast and loose with with uh, believability in some spots. Yeah, the characters are all in broad strokes, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it does build a headcanon for me. I, I get the feeling that they are all kind of like like you say, you call them the crew. They're original crew to each other. Uh, you know, sure, so like yeah. like the first time that Bowfinger actually kind of stepped out from wherever he came in the industry to try to be, you know, a producer or a director or whatever, they were there and and probably whatever it was, it worked. It clicked. They got something out. They made some money, maybe enough to where, you know, however many years since then it's been, they've been able to cruise on the fumes of that. But then every time he's come to them with the next pitch, it just keeps getting you know, like the second time it didn't quite work. And the third time it didn't work at all. And now it's, you know, just been a succession of, I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, I never really got the sensation that there, that there was much success that, that came from all of their interactions, but I think you might be right. I think there might've been yeah. something in the past. It has that, to be the one. Yeah. It has yeah, to be the, that, the impetus for this cult like feel that we're getting because. Or, or right. something that got them really close. The other, the other thing that I wonder about is, where, where do where did these guys come from? So they they talked about Ephraim and he was he is the uh, the accountant and the receptionist who is part time receptionist yeah who is a screenwriter. Um, right. You know the, the the Carol character is it's not like any of these guys are are real great at whatever they do and they just happen to get in in pulled into this guy's wake. They were not professional or were were from a completely different profession. And then we're yeah. drawn into them. So it's not like they're the best of the best. And they, and they, they got uh, somehow uh, teamed up with Bowfinger. They were not doing anything beforehand. And yeah. Bowfinger it, convinced him, convinced them to, to join up with him. You, you I think that I forget where exactly it, it sits in, in the movie, but there's conversations that Carol has with Bowfinger, but something else that she could be doing. And even though this offer from him is not great, she doesn't have a lot of faith in him it's better than what this other thing that she could have gone to do. You know, it sounds like, you know, the, the equivalent of, of, uh, you know, working on a cruise ship or something, you know, for, for, uh, uh yeah, right. It, it's not, not, not a, not a sweet gig that she was going to run off to do. So it's, it's in, in some sense where, where we were talking about in, in the previous episode about how he has to believe that this movie is good 
whether whether he he really if if he went to see it at the movie theater whether whether he'd like it or not he has to believe this script is good the the other characters have to believe it's good as well the other the right. other characters have to believe that he knows what he's talking about and he can come through right i'm guessing that's a lot of the reason why he just starts with the title gets the tiniest bit of description of why and then the end he's not going to give them enough information to judge for themselves he he sort of deals with it we're not going to see it in our minutes but it comes pretty quickly after when he shows the script to another successful producer right he, the that producer looks at the title flips to the last page sees get you su- or uh, got you suckers and and that's about all the attention he pays to it before he renders his decision on whether it's good or not right it, uh, it's not out of character it's sort of what he's painting as the the, the, the norm, movie business. the Hollywood norm. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think there's there's something. You know, he's painting it as good enough to to make a successful movie in Hollywood. Right. And then also, I mean, I think maybe that the magic of it is really what what draws these people in as well, right? They 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 could probably a lot of them go off and get a job acting, accounting, whatever, but they, they do it around the movie business because of the, the lure of movie stardom, the silver screen, the, 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 you know, star on, on, on the walk of fame and and things like that. You know, that's what they've always wanted. And, 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 you know, once you take that, that day job somewhere else doing something mundane, that that's the end for most people in their dreams. They, they they feel that you know if you go back to waitressing now, what's the point? Why why have you spent all these years uh, going broke and trying to act? Right. Like now, now that Ephraim's gotten a little bit of interest in in a screenplay of his, can he ever go back to accounting and recept recepting receiving receiving? receiving? Yeah. yeah well, receiving. Well, can he go? Can he ever go back to doing it without feeling like a failure? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah. regardless of whether Chubby Rain ever gets made, you know he's had this attention put onto something he he wrote from what he perceives as the movie business. So yeah, I think you I think you're right. Like he, he may never be he may never be satisfied again. And I, I think we're forgetting just one one tiny little important factor though. Oh is, no, we wouldn't do that. No, yes sir we would. But uh oh, you know okay. the script that he's gotten from Afram, which he's not told Afram he's ever gonna compensate him for in any way other than <laughs> praise. True. He yeah. has a script that has ignited something within him saying, Hey, we can do this. And it's exclusively his, he, he basically mm-hmm. owns it for nothing. And no one else in Hollywood has access to it because most things in Hollywood, lots of people have access to it. Lots of people, you know, even when things get made for real, lots of people have passed on it in, you know, beforehand before it landed, wherever it got made. So in his mind, you know, he, he's seen all this happen. He, he was probably at the point where like, I'm not sure I can do anything because I can't even get a hold of a script because, you know, with a, an established screenwriter, he would have to have paid something up front just to get the script in to be his, just to option it. You know, whereas, you know, he hasn't even bought it yet. Yeah. I think that's probably true. He, he has gotten hold of something that he can be sort of the auteur about. I mean, he didn't write it, but, but he can, he can control the the rest of of the process. Yeah. Because who knows what his role was in the movie business, right? Like there are all sorts of ancillary ancillary operations going on around the big studios that that he he may have been involved with and, and made enough money to to sort of keep afloat. But yeah, it, it this yeah. this may be 
an unrealized dream of his. He may never have made a picture from, right. from beginning to end before. Yeah. I get the feeling that he was a production assistant at various levels and that's why he knows or thinks he knows about processes and procedures, personalities in the business. Right. You know, he right. knows all these names, but you know, he's, he's, he's always had to hustle. I mean, PAs hustle like nobody's business. So that kind of, it gives me that energy He's an elderly PA. <laughs> Spry, but elderly. Yes. Right. Or, you know, mysteriously aged. Mysteriously that, aged. He's got reverse Benjamin buttons. No, I don't know how that works. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we, we have Slater and Carol both still distrusting a little bit, but Bowfinger, Bowfinger seemed to be ready for that. He, like, like, he knows he both owes and needs them, right? Like, he he feels like he he brought these specific people in because he owes them something from some previous project that didn't go anywhere he needs people right and and uh he needs actors he needs the script that Ephraim wrote he we're going to see these other people that he needs that he brings in and and takes what he can get for, for in some instances but he responds almost immediately to them he he his speech sort of breaks down right he's delivering that that rehearsed speech but now it's sort of broken down. He says, just give me till this afternoon to close this deal uh if if i don't you can go anywhere you want and he, he seems earnest about that, right? Like he, he seems to think that this afternoon is the hinge on which this project will swing. Pretty much. Uh, I'm not. And the thing is, I don't understand what he, you know, what he thinks he's telling them because I mean, he does, he knows that he's just, he, he literally has a small con set for the today. Right. And it, it's right. literally, it's, it's almost like a heist because it involves a team. There's steps involved, you know, there's, you got to like get prepped first. Yeah. And anytime you're scouting out for someone's whereabouts, you mm -hmm. know, that it's uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I just wonder what, you know, he's telling them stuff and, and, and they're, they start buying it. I mean, literally. Well, and he, he seems earnest and I think maybe that, that is part of what sells it. But the, the reverse shot then shows, that that Slater he, he sort of loosens his resolve right like he was man I don't know but now he seems like he knows a little more you know outside uh, there uh, you hear a horn honk and it's sort of that playful like I'm trying to get your attention sound not like hey we're gonna crash kind of horn <laughs> this distracts Slater and, and it provides an opportunity for for Bowfinger to sort of uh, move to the next phase or add an additional layer to, to his sales pitch. And he, he quickly stands up and, and moves over to the window and gestures everyone over there and says, come here, come here, come here. And the, the whole group comes over to the window by him very, very quickly. They uh, are at the window between what looks like an old Coca-Cola refrigerator and a, and a moviola. You know, he's, he's got all this right. the, the movie stuff sort of strewn around the office that looks like it, it looks like he's in a, antique store for like movie decorations or something movie like decorations. That. Yeah. None of this stuff yeah. really looks like it might've been, uh, the real thing that worked at some point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, at, at what point they stopped doing, uh, cutting film on, on movie oils like that, but everything's digital these days. The kids, they don't <laughs> work on film. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any nostalgia for that. You know, I do like to complain. So <laughs> the, the next shot shows us what they were all looking at. And it's, it's sort of from over their shoulders and, Bowfinger goes on to explain. He says, you see that FedEx truck and you look out the dirty window and you, you do see the FedEx truck and it's driving right towards the office and it passes the Vista Hotel sign. We can sort of see on, on its uh, on its left camera, right, I guess, state right. I don't, I don't know how that works. And it, it takes a right turn in, in front of them. And that's 
you know, when I, when I looked at where this office is, that's that street sort of does make a, a nice sort of J shape right in front of the, the building. The, the FedEx truck, you know, makes that right turn and it exposes the open sliding driver's door and the, the broad side of the truck with the big FedEx logo. So, you know, everyone does indeed see the FedEx logo. Do you think that's product placement? I, mm. I don't know. But the reverse shot from across the street gives us sort of a low curb point of view, sort of. Uh, and and we see the, the tires in the lower fender of the truck roll past. And after it, it passes, we see that sil same silver Buick in the foreground and the crew through the window. And they're sort of squinting and following the truck and their heads all sort of turn to follow it. But back inside, Bowfinger, he turns his back to the window and he dresses the the very close circle of of the crew he says that every day it delivers important paper to peoples all over the world and one day it's going to stop here and a man is going to walk up and casually toss a couple of fedexes on my desk and he sort of mimes the tossing of papers onto a desk with the with the chubby rain script that's still in his hands uh and he puts a hand on both ephraim and, and carol's shoulders and he says and at that moment we and by we i mean me will be important and Slater's clearly very impressed, but wow, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, clearly this is a pre-Amazon world we're all looking at, right? Because oh yeah. I mean, FedEx used to sort of mean important papers moving around, and now it it just means my like cat medicines from Chewy are, are coming. You know, it <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, FedEx is a lot less impressive than yeah. it used to be. I think it, that mixes with your whole you know digital age thing because it, in my experience with people that I've followed and talked to and stuff. It was like a, the medium for moving, like, say, original comic art pages sure, from yeah. wherever you lived to New York. And now that's still just an email like everything else. You you just have to print out and sign a piece of paper mm. for it to be a, a valid legal contract, you know. So it, it's um, and, and then FedEx it back across. The, I mean, I remember in college I was in a magazine writing course, journalism, magazine journalism class, and we wanted to as part of that class pitch an actual story idea, but it was sort of time sensitive. So we had to overnight our pitch to, I think it was like Rolling Stone and, and Kerrang! Mag something, you know, like rock and roll kind of magazines. Yeah. I mean like 30 bucks a pop to overnight right. a letter or something like that. And you're like, all right, I can see why <laughs> that sort of had a, an air of, of importance to it back oh, then. Yeah. Because it was luxurious amounts of money back then, you know? Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I could, I could order a nice big glossy book from someplace at, for six ninety five, but if you wanted it, sure. you know, sometime this week, yeah, it was going to be like <laughs> 20 bucks more. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe it's my income ability in 1999 being a lot lower, but or inflation, maybe both. Right. 30 bucks to mail something was like uh, sort of heart stopping. So <laughs> what's interesting to me about about this, this, this particular scene is the, the line we and by we, I mean me. He basically yeah. tells them to their face that this is going to be a success for him. Right. And, and, and this this is what, what we were talking about before, the, the kind of the cult aspect of this and they go right along with it and, mm -hmm. and they, yeah. it doesn't dissuade them it doesn't you know they're 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 still they're still in it and that line strikes me very much as a steve martin line i mean that that's literally the same sentiment and, and, yeah. and pattern that he's used in so many different movies and he'll use it over and over again just in this movie so yeah it, it definitely has his voice to it but but yeah johnny you're right i think it it's almost like they're 
blind to the fact that he said anything other than we, right? Like, right. It, you know, they heard him say it. He clearly said it, but like, he still said we though. Right. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're blinded by the movie magic, you're, you're, you're blinded. And it, it's, I mean, it's laughable mm. how FedEx was the, the turning point for them <laughs> to, to, to buy into this importance. That, that's, that's the other thing about this scene too, is, is like, uh, you know how they say in uh, like Disney, especially the Disney princess movies, there's there's that song where they say, "This is this is my goal. This is what I want." Yeah, and that's that's what this scene is like for because because you know, but you know that at the end of this movie, there's going yeah. to be a scene with with the FedEx with the FedEx driver oh, yeah. coming in. <laughs> These are definitely Chekhov's FedEx, exactly. Right? Like, right. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. They're being set up here in, in our yeah. in our very early first act. Yeah, there, nothing in that speech says anything about let's make a movie. It's all about let's get me some contracts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and it it's even less about he's not talking about money, right? He's oh. he's talking about he's not he's importance. not talking about art either. He's not talking no. about no. we'll go to the movies and sit in the aisle and we'll see this beautiful thing that we've made. You're right. And he's not talking about money either. He's not talking about yeah. we'll have, we'll be able to buy whatever. He doesn't say either one of those things. Well, like he no. says, we'll be important. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we're going to see him act out the role of important producer soon. Right. And I, I think he wants to live that life. Right. He, he doesn't, you know, he's sick of, sick of the scrounging of the, the teaching, the acting classes and the, the, you know, stealing camera time and, and whatnot. Uh, he, he, he wants to, he wants to do what the big boys do. Or, sure. Or, he wants to take meetings over lunch, you know? Exactly. Drive the fancy cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, all of that comes from money or importance, but he, he, he doesn't. Yeah. The, yeah. the signifiers of, of importance are, or what's what's drawing him? I think right. yeah, I think that's probably true. It's all conflated in his mind at this point because he's been you know he's obviously been beaten down by the system for at least a couple of decades, probably three. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's it it, it it he can't separate it out. He's it, it's just this swirl in his head, all the things that he wants all the time. Well, and it's it's clearly not just him either, right? Because well, no. you, like you said, Slater is, it, he sort of utters wow at that. And everyone else's face, like Carol's face has melted and into she's, she almost has like a starstruck kind of, mm. kind of look on her face. Well, it, it's, that's real Hollywood culture there for, you know, people who yeah. are pros even, uh, you know, cause it's, it's also who, you know, well, they know him and in their mind, there's an assumption that if his star rises, mm. there's will to some degree, they and I know they understand that you know if you know if he goes from zero to ten they may only come up to two but that's better than zero. It's better than zero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like I've taken a meeting with him before, mm. so oh yeah, oh yeah, I've worked with Bowfinger, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's sort of buying into the power of his own BS now, right? Because yep. he sort of has hesitates a moment and he he lets it all sink in and he's gazing into their eyes and he as he breaks away from the group, there's like a, a confident stride into him. He's, he's like storming out yep. with purpose and he's very confident with his mind on his mission. And Ephraim is, is beaming and Slater's convinced and Carol's almost smoldering at him. Right? <laughs> she, she's, she's got an eye. She's got that actress look to her. Oh, you know, the man. Serious she, actress in her. She does that so well. She just, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty much one of her defining uh, shticks whenever she goes in on an uh, uh, audition, I'm sure. Because yeah, everything well, I've ever seen her in, she's doing that a little bit sometimes. Yeah, she's she's got a good smolder. Yep. 
but the the they, the crew kind of stays in their in their tight group, but they move to follow Bowfinger a little bit as he he grabs his plaid sport coat and slings it on in a big kind of swoopy motion over his shoulders. And he outlines the rest of his plan to them. He says, now today I have a very important meeting with Jerry Renfro. And the, the crew reacts to, to that name, right? That's one of the signifiers of, of importance is, is who you're meeting with. And Jerry's the importance du jour, I suppose. Hmm. Ephraim sort of whistles in impressed awe and makes like a triumphant fist. Like, yeah, you get him. <laughs> and uh, he, you get him, sucker. <laughs> I'm going to guess that he's the most true believer of them because one, he gets paid as an accountant. <laughs> well, sure. And, and two, I doubt, I don't know if this is paid, but as a part-time receptionist, he spends more time in Bowfinger's presence. They probably talk more. Yeah. More often than, than yeah, the other two. Yeah. And it's his script. Yep. And it's his script. Yep. Right. The, the importance that Bowfinger brings to any of it is reflected on him too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Slater sort of makes a, did I hear that right face? And, and Carol's smolder cracks a little bit into some slack-jawed disbelief. Yeah. So they're all sort of like, what? Huh? And taken aback by just, just saying the name Jerry Renfro, right? And Bowfinger continues <laughs> the most delusional line here. He says, and if it goes the way I think it's going to go, I'll see you at the Oscars. And then he makes sort of a sneering half grin and pivots and heads out the door. As Marvin Gaye's Your Wonderful One starts. And I mean, it ends. We've seen him skip from title to Gitchasaka and now from initial meeting to the Oscars. Right. So, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely skipping some steps. I mean, maybe that's just what producers do. Well, you got to simplify. Producers are always trying to simplify what they're doing or at least what they're presenting to other people that they're doing. I, a really good producer has to black box pretty much everything. Yeah. You don't, you don't, uh, I can't be bothered with the details, right? No, so well, just, I'm not going to yeah. let you in on the details. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, that's a pretty, pretty bold, uh, statement to make that. Uh huh. Be seeing the Oscars and, and even let's say Chubby Rain does win an Oscar, right? <laughs> He's definitely going to see them before that. <laughs> Is there an Oscar for worst title? <laughs> Well, even if there is, it doesn't. It's only given out once a year, you right? Know? Like, it, yes, and it's probably they have to make this movie. make the movie so they're <laughs> at least like, one I'll, more time. I'll see you yeah. next at the Oscars. No, yeah, and follow me to the Oscars, which are later today. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Yeah, dude. But that, like I said, that's sort of where the our minute ends. That's that is where our minute ends. That's sort of. I don't know why I'm being so wishy washy about it, but. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, we're pretty well establishing both the delusion of Bowfinger by now and the draw that he has, uh, at least to this group, right? Where it, it's not gonna it's not gonna hold up out in public, but uh, but yeah, the, we we can see the at least the effects of of his hold over them. We can't necessarily know their motivations, but but yeah, we we can see that the I don't know. I hesitate hesitate to call it cult like because mm. there are other culty kind of undertones in this movie or overtones uh, in this movie that well their reaction to something as you know bald-facedly ridiculous as this gives yeah. us more insight to the characters that they are you know how smart are they how you know easy are they to to be deceived because you know you could be really smart and still be wanting to be convinced you sure. know Af afram has been wanting to be convinced about everything since before the movie started obviously yeah. you know and he's he's 
clearly the greenest of them right. all, right? Right. I think it you know helps characterize. So you know, Bowfinger himself is showing you just how far he'll go into being fake while he's talking to his minions. Because you know he he was back before. You know he's like, just give me till this afternoon. He breaks down yeah, and he's right. being very human with them, pleading with them. But then he gets to hear seconds later and then dashes out the door. <laughs> you know it, it's creepy almost, but you have to yeah. be able to see this. Otherwise, the rest of the movie won't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of swings here in Minute 8. Well, uh, you can find find a lot of Todd and I talking <laughs> uh, over at edgeoftomorrowminute.com. You can find a little bit of John talking over there. I mean, two whole episodes worth. That's it's not much in the grand scheme An of things. Hour, but, but hour it's, 20. But it's, more, but it's more than you need, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's the quality, not the quantity. But, you know, if you want to if you want to if you want to be mean about it, you could say it's the way John <laughs> said it, I guess. Um, <clears throat> or you can or not or and you can find Don't don't or do both. Go see edge of and then go find the Bowfinger Minute podcast, the Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Play or the main site bowfingerminute.com and I mean do you guys do you have any spare time this week where you could maybe like subscribe and review the show on Apple Podcasts it, it's probably not there this yet but like you know well, me yeah eventually yeah, I mean, schedule a little schedule a little bit of time and, and just sure. go do it alright <laughs> alright thank you uh, the social media for this show is available at welcome to mindhead the bowfinger minute listeners center on facebook or on twitter at bowfinger minute please join us here next time on the bowfinger minute and in the meantime keep it together keep it together keep it together keep it together laker girls something about the laker girls no i don't know <laughs> children I hope that we'll see you again cause there's always one more Sure. One more show.